You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad, and I'm delighted that during this, what is Irish Heritage Month in Canada, that there is a, I'll have to say, a series of events that are happening, but they're tied to one special connection. And that connection is Colatin. And uh, the Colatin connection is very strong. It goes back to the Fitzwilliam migration. A few years ago, a project was initiated, which was shoeboxes, and that was from Irish roots to Canadian branches. And that was where people who are the descendants of what would be the Colatin estate and are now based in Canada were asked to reach into the family tree, into the family heritage and come up with some stories. And that has resulted in a beautiful book. And the book is Kevin Lee and Tom Jenkins are the authors. And I have both of them with me. And uh, Eleanor Lee is also here. And first of all, welcome, Eleanor, Kevin and Tom. Thank you very much indeed for being here. Did I summarize what the project was adequately? I think you got it right, Austin, yeah. Yeah, you have been dealing quite a few years with us now, so there's no excuse for getting it wrong. We have been <laughs> working, we've been working together for quite a while now, yeah. So first question is, how many stories were you able to compile into the project? 51. We okay. had budget on 50, but what was one at the end that we just couldn't pass by. So it ended up at 51. And uh, I, last night, I reckon we had about 35 more shoeboxes for a second edition. So at the moment, we're closing in on a century of shoeboxes. Right. But we hope, as Tom will tell you, we hope to get up, up close to 500, maybe closer to 600 in time. And the whole concept was that people, when they emigrated, oftentimes had little more with them than possibly the contents of a shoebox. Yeah, Tom, Tom explained, yeah, it was Tom who came up with the uh, title Shoeboxes. So Tom is the best man to explain why why we have titled the book uh, Shoeboxes. Now, I should explain, Eleanor and Kevin are both uh, live very close to the Colatin Estate in County Wicklow. And Tom I, is on the Canadian side. So, Tom, mm. it's over to you. Well, the name uh, Shoeboxes uh, comes from an actual occurrence. Uh, we're all familiar with shoeboxes, and people use them to stuff all kinds of things in them after they bought their shoes, and they put them up in their attic or their closet or their basement. And, you know, the usually we uh, stuff these shoeboxes full of memorabilia and just stuff that we don't know what to do with. Well, uh, a few years ago, I was uh, rummaging around uh, in uh, Wicklow County, uh, looking for my ancestors, and came upon uh, uh, Nancy and Mary Byrne uh, of Shalala in uh, County Wicklow, and uh, they uh, claimed to be my relatives. And uh, I had uh, I had never heard of these people before, and had no idea. And then they pulled a shoebox off the mantle. And opened it up, and it was 200 years of history of my family. And there was no doubt they were my relatives because they had my grandmother, my great-grandmother, my grandfather. They even had photos of me and my children. And and, uh, and that really blew me away because my cousins had been corresponding with them unbeknownst to me. But it was all in shoeboxes. And when 
I discussed this with Kevin and Eleanor. We discovered that there were shoeboxes everywhere. Everyone had kept all this memorabilia. And that's where the name came from. All the families that had kept both real and metaphorical shoeboxes in their attics. When you decided to initiate the project, were you collectively surprised at the response? I was, but Kevin wasn't. Kevin knew that it was all there all along. He and Eleanor, of course, have been connecting people uh, with their uh, Irish roots from Canada for decades. So this was not a surprise to them at all. To me, it was a shock. And, uh, and you know, over time, we collected so many shoebox stories, we had enough for a book. So when you were back there, Tom, looking to do a bit of your own research and your own connections, uh, as you say, you were in Shalala. Your forefathers would have come come over around the time of the Fitzwilliam migration, and you were able to trace that, is, that path. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. In fact, uh, I showed up at Kevin and Eleanor's house uh, while they were having uh, tea. And uh, within 45 minutes, Kevin had told me name, rank and serial number of what happened to my family. It was quite impressive, actually. Uh, <laughs> they came over in uh, 1849 on the Bridgeton, uh, landed at Grosseal. All the children died in the journey, unfortunately, and uh, my ancestors started their family all over again in a place called Camden East, which is just outside of Kingston, and then migrated down into the Hamilton area where my family comes from today. And they were the Walls and the O'Loughlins. And uh, so it was quite a journey and quite a story, and Kevin uncovered it all in less than 45 minutes. It was quite impressive, actually. So, obviously, Tom, there was a strong uh, affinity in your family growing up that the connection was, despite moving from one part of Canada down towards Hamilton, you obviously retained a very, very strong heritage route back to Ireland. Oh, without a doubt, there was a strong affinity. But as I've discovered with most Canadians, it wasn't connected to Ireland. And this is at the heart of the reason for the book and for what Kevin and Eleanor have been doing. I knew I was Irish. I just didn't know where and how and when. I, I, I knew by word of mouth folklore that my ancestors had lost all their children on the voyage, but had very little knowledge other than my uncle was president to the Shamrock Club in Hamilton. You know, you know, other than that, you know, uh, historians can tell us more, of course, about the state of the Irish when they came to Canada. But generally speaking, if you were Irish, you didn't remind anybody that you were Irish when you came to Canada in the 1840s and 1850s. And so the Irish very quickly assimilated into Canadian what was at that time Upper Canada College or Upper Canada, rather. And, and um, you know, quite frankly, a lot of those connections have actually been lost over the 200 years because it's not that it was actively frowned upon, but it wasn't encouraged. And uh, and so the reality is, is that one of the reasons why we did shoeboxes and are doing the tour this month is to alert the other families that actually don't know 
their connection. They they know they're Irish, generally speaking, but they don't know how and when and what the, the fabric of it and the connections. And so for me, it was quite a journey to actually understand and to be able to stand in the farmhouse that my family left 200 years ago in Shalala. And so that's something that, and, and we're now speaking of hundreds of thousands of Canadians that sort of know they're Irish, but they don't know how. You know, Tom, it's interesting you say that, because Kevin, Nelner, you will relate as I relate. <clears throat> I grew up in an environment where you literally know what parish everybody is from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we're there, and now that you mentioned like that, Tom, I noticed that I was reflecting as you were speaking, when I meet anybody and I met somebody uh, Sunday morning last, and they said, oh, we're Irish. And the question was, well, where? Um, 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 uh, I think I think it might be temporary. And that was the extent of it. That you're right, Tom, that the, the um, precision of the parochial knowledge that we grew up with becomes so diluted over time as mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the new world that what you're describing in the well, project is, is powerful. And what, what happens is that uh, when one goes into archives, uh, Ancestry.com, wh- whatever, government archives in Ireland or Canada, the reality is is that the original Irish immigrants that had uh, escaped the the famine, when they were registered in Canada, they were registered from Ireland. They weren't registered from a county or whatever, because from a Canadian perspective, whether it was a marriage certificate or a death certificate, for a Canadian that's resident in Canada, they've come from Ireland. The, The level of detail was not required any greater than that. So the vast majority... And we've dug into the databases a little bit. We think it's as high as 95% of all the records of Canadians that have come from Ireland simply state they were Irish. There was no level of detail of Cork or Wicklow or, 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 you know, etc. It, 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 it's, it's totally understandable, but very unfortunate. And so it, 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 it's something that we're trying to give people a chance by using all the surnames that we have and we've listed them all in the book and on the website and we're encouraging people that know that they have an Irish ancestor with that last name of Kelly or Kenny or Doyle that they may want to look at this up a little bit more because we may be able to tell them where the farmhouse is that they left from Ireland and I can tell you, having gone through this with Kevin and Eleanor, it's a very powerful emotional moment when you can actually stand on a plot of land or in a building on the other side of the Atlantic and realize that your family had come from there. Austin, Tom's family is from Stratton Kelly, you know, beside the dying cow. Vaguely. Yeah. so Tom's Tom's people would have been neighbors to Elvis Presley's people. Okay. Okay. 
Same farm road. <laughs> Who knew? Same <laughs> farm road as Elvis Presley. The detail contained in the in the Culatin records is, is what's so unique. to such a wealth of information regarding the families who left. For, for example, if you had Austin Comerton and his wife and their five children, Mary, Sam, George, Pete, or whatever they were, uh, you know that those children, you know the age that they were when they were leaving, you know their names. So if you uh, search the Canadian census for 1851, or indeed 1861, and you find a family of Comertons with children of that age or now, maybe teenagers of that age, you know, you've hit the jackpot, you're able to know that this is the family that left. And once you do that, you can go back to the maps, you can find the piece of land that they had, you can find the location of the house that they had, you can find the amount of assistance they got to emigrate, uh, uh, what allowances remained, did they get money for a suit of clothes from Lord Fitzwilliam, and uh, what kind of allowance did they get to go on board the ship, who accompanied them to New Ross, and what day they left and on what you travelled, you can build a very, very complete picture once you have uh, ma- compared uh, the details in the immigration lists with the Canadian census. It's unique in Ireland. Uh, most people who left uh, Mayo and Galway and Tipperary and other counties, uh, they were quite anonymous in Ireland before they left, and they certainly were anonymous when they got to the got to Quebec. You know, uh, the interesting thing from a Canadian perspective, Austin, to understand is that when we say things like Lord Fitzwilliam or we say things like Culloden, the estate, for Canadians, the way that they can understand this, this is the Hudson's Bay of Ireland. You see, the Canadians all know of the original corporation uh, that basically had the, uh, let's say, organizational entity that kept track of everything. All these records that Kevin's referring to, is actually a corporation's records. And so they're in detail and they're well well kept because they were reporting each year on the activity of the estate. And so it's a wealth of knowledge that's quite unique. So Canadians can relate to the fact that Hudson's Bay stretches back long before the origin of Canada, stretches back to the 1600s. Well, the Culloden estate, was established within years of the Hudson's Bay estate. So it's it's one of those wonderful historical artifacts that's available that allows you to bridge that gap that I was referring to before of someone scrawling in a record that you're Irish. Well, the reality is, is that if one of your names matches with one of the names in the shoeboxes list, there's a pretty good chance that we know a lot of detail about your ancestors. Um, while you were chatting there, Tom, I did take the um, time to do a quick search in Jedmatch <clears throat> and to find I have two Jenkins relations. And of course, Kevin will tell me my name appears on the somewhere in the Colatin. So we might be tenth cousins. <laughs> we, might, we might even get a shoebox for you, Austin, if we keep working. <laughs> but you, you know what's interesting, Austin, is as I've walked around rural Ontario in Canada, I've started to realize because of chain migration that when I grew up with the Doyles and the Kennys, that in fact my ancestors had been friends or family to them centuries before in Ireland. I didn't realize that, you know, because when you're a young kid growing up, you just go to school with, you know, my my friend was Kenny Doyle. And you just went to school with the Doyles and you, you didn't think anything of it. I had no idea 
that it went back centuries because what happened is all the Culloden families, as with many other families that came across, they all started their farmhouses beside each other. Mm -hmm. And so in Camden East, it's Kelly's, Kenny's, Murphy's, O'Loughlin's, Walls. Like they're, they're all there together every five acres. And so when you go down these farm roads, all they did was replicate the farm situation they had in Ireland. They did the same thing in Canada. It's really quite remarkable, actually, to really appreciate what really happened to those immigrants from Ireland. And they actually were related, and they were friends of each other, and that's how they survived Canadian winters. And the same is still true, of course, because we see chain migration happening, be it now, but it's to cities now. It's into Toronto. It's into Vancouver, um, less so into Ottawa. But it is still chain migration, but it is predominantly into cities, whereas at that time it was an agricultural society. And It's interesting. It's an interesting point you're making, Austin, because for Canadians, indeed for many countries in the world, uh, one has a chance to see what immigration really looks like 200 years later. And, you know, if people would appreciate the, the, the span of time, they'd calm down a lot more about immigration and realize what a positive thing it is mm-hmm. uh, when it's done properly and, and with respect uh, to both the people that are on the land as well as the people that are arriving. It's it's a very interesting story to read shoeboxes because you're not caught up in the moment. You're reading the sweep of time. And, and there's tragedy, of course. It's a human story. But there's also great success and, and uh, uh, great uh, gr- great moments of human history that's told at a, you know, very, um, uh, let's say, personal level, because this is not some grand sweep of history of countries and what have you. It's about people. The stories are very much about the people. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when you say that, that it might help people put current um, migration in context, because... Um, one of the things I, I noticed in the Irish context is that I saw a figure recently that indicated that something like there was uh, 30,000 returning immigrants to Ireland and that net emigration out of Ireland was only something like 13,000 in yeah, 2022. Yeah. But yet the, the big cry is that all these people are leaving, but they were, they're coming back. The difference, I think, in the time of the famine and the Irish migration in the 1800s was there was really no going back. That it, it and the opportunity to go back really wasn't there. Uh, whereas yeah. that what was the driver in mo- modern Irish migration is somewhat different. Uh, but I think the lesson we can all learn is we're seeing other ethnicities and other cultures going through what the Irish went through in the 1800s, and it's a one-way street for them today. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, there's week, a lot. There's no question a lot of parallels. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. Eleanor, go ahead. Yeah. Right. Uh, Austin, next week we start our media tour. We're very excited about it. Uh, Kevin and I are traveling uh, from Dublin and we land in Toronto next week. Uh, and we'll have two and a half weeks of, um, of uh, events in different cities. Um, 
Yeah, it's all yeah. very exciting. We'll endeavour uh, to keep up with Jenkins, but it's, a, it's an exercise in futility, really, but we will try. <laughs> so, well, I, I hope, I hope Kevin and Eleanor have gotten a lot of sleep because you're going to need it. <laughs> well, uh, Austin, just to give you an idea, as Eleanor has said, there are more than 10 cities, and it's really the, the cities and towns that we're going to follow the migration path of the Kalatan families. And uh, there's more than 1,000 people signed up. And it's, that, really, uh, it's really quite incredible, actually. And I do want to point out that the place to go to sign up is www.colatincanadianconnection.com, and that is C-O-O-L-L-A-T-T-I-N, canadianconnection.com. And there's a tab there, shoe boxes, and underneath that you'll see the various dates. It's March 9th in Toronto, 11th is in Hamilton, 12th, Durham, 19th is Peterborough, 20th Kingston, 21st is Ottawa, and the 22nd is Belleville. And as I said, there's a, ta- a form then on the webpage where you can um, just uh, sign up for tour updates and uh, you'll receive notification of the specifics. Um, I won't ask you to identify each individual venue uh, at the locations, but the locations are available there on the website. Um, it has been a wonderful opportunity to meet with you, Tom, and hear the story. Um, did I omit anything? The book, you'll have copies of the book available with you. If anybody doesn't have it, you can get it at these venues. But also it's available through the website. Yeah, and an easier uh, way to get the book that's connected to the website is just shoeboxesbook.com. Excellent. That, you can order the book from there. And it is, um, I have to ask this question because a friend of mine sent me a copy of uh, Finding Hope uh, from Ireland and I was stunned that they had to fork out 18 euros to ship the book over to to this site. So if there is uh, books available from the Canadian side that are being shipped from within Canada. yeah, and, And that's in fact what's happening with the book launch. We have shipped all the books from Ireland so that you don't have to pay 18 euro. No, these, all, all the books ship, all the books ship from Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if you show up to one of the tour sites, you just get the book right there. There's no shipping, but yeah, no, it's, it's just Canada post from here. It's a couple bucks. So it's yeah. not, yeah, we've tried to make it much simpler and easier for people to grab a book. Indeed. But uh, even if you to... don't even if you don't want to buy a book, you can go to the website. You can go to the Claudin website or the Shoeboxes book website and find out all about your family. So because the, the intent of this is really for the other four hundred and fifty families that have not been written up to be written up, to be discovered. That, that's our goal. Our goal is to find all 500 families that have come from Wicklow. And and we can do it. We can find all of them in detail. Often we'd just love to say thanks sincerely to Tom and his team and Riley and the marketing team yeah. behind this tour. They've put so much work into this, and we're so very grateful for all of the efforts, Tom. So well, um, a sincere thanks from Kevin and myself here in Ireland. Without without uh, without Tom, uh, shoeboxes would have never happened. No, uh, certainly we. we oh, would. I don't know about that. There's a no. there's a uh, Kevin and Eleanor have done 40 years of research here. Oh, I've just uh, simply 
encourage them to write it down. I, Kevin and Eleanor have been, had they, COVID was a godsend in a way because they've written four books now. Mm-hmm. It's not just shoe boxes. They've written all the books about what happened in Culloden over the last 350 years. And so whether it's The Liar's Bench or uh, uh, Culloden, the book itself, or Under the Crow, I mean, there, there's some great books. And we also uh, provide links to those books, too, from the website. Fantastic. Tom, Eleanor, Kevin, it's been great connecting with you guys. Have a fantastic trip and hope you have great success. And um, uh, maybe we'll find out we are connected, Tom. Uh, thank you very much, Austin, and uh, thanks yeah. for all your, over the years. It's quite a few years since we uh, you first interviewed us in Smith's Falls, and whether you remember it or not, but it's that's uh, right. And, and, and it was my, and thank you for the opportunity to get a tour of the Colatin uh, estate and into the house itself. That was fabulous, um, and down around there, and a uh, beautiful part of the country. And and it is a beautiful part of the country because you know, and that is another thing we should mention that. Uh, while I know you guys organize and facilitate, excuse me, facilitate, uh, tours coming from up the Ottawa Valley towards Gallatin, for someone who is just happens to be listening, uh, oftentimes when you go on to a trip to Ireland, people say, oh, we're going to do Eclipse of Moher and the Rock of Cashel and, uh, Trinity and all these places. But Wicklow is a fabulous, fabulous county and the scenery mm-hmm. and the history down there is beautiful. Should never be missed. Thanks guys.